The Jimmy IV Sexy Cool Lounge is an inspirational podcast spreading positive energy and only good vibes into the universe through personal discovery, empowerment, and self-love awareness. Now, please join me in the Sexy Cool Lounge with our creator and host, Jimmy IV. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, wherever you might be listening to this episode. And may your vibe be cruising at an altitude that is so sexy cool. So as always at the beginning of every episode, y'all, if you are new to the Sexy Cool Lounge, thank you. Thank you for coming on this journey with us. Thank you for allowing us to share some positive energy and good vibes only in this universe with you and let it radiate across the world. If you want to check out any one of our episodes, you can go to the catalog at www.sexycoollounge.com. Check out any episode between 1 and 86 with this being number 87, y'all. All All right. You can also follow the podcast on any one of your favorite podcast platforms. And if you are on social media, give us a follow at Sexy Cool Lounge on Instagram. And y'all know (laughs) you can always find me on Facebook. Send me a friend request. I will definitely accept. And the big news for 2023, you got it. Sexy Cool Lounge is on YouTube. Subscribe, catch the vibe. (laughs) and give us a uh, follow over there on YouTube, get to see my face for a little bit rather than just always hearing my voice, all right? And if you have an Alexa, y'all, all all you got to do is just say, Alexa, play Jimmy IV Sexy Cool Lounge, and she will make it happen for you. That's how we doing it now, y'all, all All right? So housekeeping is out of the way. Listen, episode number 87 is truly a really, really good episode, y'all. I am uh, excited. I have a guest, a very accomplished guest, okay? And as we are doing this episode, today is her birthday, so we're going to wish her a very sexy, cool, happy birthday. But my guest is a best-selling author of her own work, as well as a contributing author of books about helping others to succeed. She promotes positivity in behavior and relationship styles, which are showcased in her TV production of the hit show, Boss Ladies, y'all. That's right. I told you she was accomplished and more. All right. She is the boss lady with many attributes. All right. So without further ado, please, y'all, give a warm listening ear and a welcome into the Sexy Cool Lounge to Miss Paula M. Kramer. Paula, how you doing today? I'm doing really well, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> Happy <laughs> birthday. I'm 72. Thank you. I'm 72 and I'm on your show. Ah, there you go. 72 years young, right? <laughs> That's how we rolling over here. We, we use the word young. We never use the OLD word. Okay. <laughs> so h- how are you doing? H- Happy birthday to you. I am thrilled. I am particularly thrilled to be on your show on my 72nd birthday because six years ago when I was 66 two organizations did their best to convince me that I was too old to do anything else in my life Mm. my mortgage banker decided that after 15 years of helping me stay in my house because I'm because I have difficult earning money because of a childhood spinal injury he decided that I should move into senior county housing oh And then I 
applied to a nonprofit for a small business loan. So I could get back into to professional speaking. I had done professional speaking for a number of years, gotten some myself some really good engagements, did two workshops on army bases in Germany in 2001. But then because of my spinal injury, I had trouble earning money. So my teeth went bad and I couldn't do get any speaking engagements with bad teeth until I got my teeth fixed. So when I got back into professional speaking, I went to a nonprofit to take out a $2,500 loan. The speaking industry had changed a lot yeah. while I wasn't there. So I wanted to take a course that provided templates to planning event organizers and all kinds of things. And the supervisor of that department at the nonprofit said no out of concern because of my age. Wow. Six years ago, I was 66. Here I am at 72. I became, an, in my 70s are just exploding <laughs> with accomplishments. I became an international best-selling author for the first time at age 70. Congratulations. <laughs> international TV producer at age 71. I'm here on your show at age 72. <laughs> but I have to tell you, Jimmy, that what I'm most proud of Yes, is I have influenced peace for all of Kenya. Oh, wow. Last year, just over a year ago, well, actually in December of 70, 70, of 2021, yeah, December of 2021, I saw a posting in Africa's Ladies Ladies. A friend of mine in Kenya invited me to join that group. So I joined that group. I saw a posting from a young woman who complained about gender, gender stereotyping in the workplace. I do a lot of work to break stereotypes, so I contacted her privately and offered her my workshop for free. Back then, I was doing online workshops. I'm now changing them into self-study courses. I offered her an online workshop for free and then monthly meetings to help her use her new skills, her new strategies. When we both showed up for that online meeting, she told me, I invited a friend. I said, okay, <laughs> she, she can join, we'll do this. So I did the workshop for them. And then we set up a meeting the following month to discuss skills and strategies. Only the friend showed up, Rebecca Mora. Rebecca didn't want professional help. She wanted personal help. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that. And I gave her one piece of homework. I told her to do, to make one positive statement to herself every day. Mm. A month later when we met, she told me she had left a bad situation. She had moved to Nairobi. She had gotten a scholarship. She had gotten a job and she spoke positive words to every person who checked her out. Wow. Six months after that, she told me that she was feeling lonely because her uncle traveled a lot. She was living with her uncle in Nairobi. He traveled a lot. She didn't know a lot of people. She decided that if she launched an NGO, she could talk to people, have fun with them, laugh with them, tell them what she knew. And so she now, launched. Now, now just, just for people around the world who don't know what NGO is right. or stands for, can you, can you just break that down for us, please? Good for you, Jimmy. <laughs> So she launched Peace with Land Kenya. It just so happens that her uncle had been in the government. So he hooked her up with former colleagues who helped her along. 
And the government of Kenya last month approved her NGO for operating within the country. Wow. So I influenced peace for all of Kenya. I would definitely say that you have. Look at that, man. You know, it's amazing how just the connection, the positive connection uh, from one person to another can radiate out. And we talk about that at the end of every episode. And I say it on my social media all the time, you know, continue to radiate your vibe. Mm-hmm. But you never know where it goes and who it touches and what other know. frequency it connects with. You understand right. what I'm saying? And and that's a testament. What, what you're saying is a testament to exactly what this show and this podcast and this whole vibe is all about. It starts with one person, yes, but you never know where yeah, that, no. that, that lit flame of that connection then goes throughout the universe in a right. positive way. Right. Wow. That is, and, that is really cool. And after my mortgage banker and that nonprofit, Rebecca gave me the best testimonial of my life. <laughs> she told me that when she said this, when I'm 65 years old, I'm going to tell my grandchildren that I met an old lady and she changed my life. Wow. There you go. Y'all hear that? Changing lives through positive energy and good spoken words. But before we get too into the episode, you know, I have a standard question that I ask everybody. I have to ask it to you on your birthday. (laughs) My birthday. So, Paula, the question is, what does sexy cool mean to you? It means being who you are even when you're surrounded by people insisting you cannot be who you are. Wow. Y'all hear that? Plain and simple, straight to the point. It's so beautiful. And the reason I asked that question is because I can ask it a million times. And pretty much that I have at this point. And the honest truth about it is no two answers are the same. It is always subjective to the person giving the answer which is why I asked the question. So thank you, Paula, for giving us your version of what the sexy cool mean to you. And uh, yeah, again, happy birthday to you. So, Thanks. yeah. So let's get into why I wanted to have you on the show. Okay. Now you have a very fascinating, inspiring story, as well as all of the achievements and things that you're doing with wearing multiple hats through all of your successes uh, on your journey. But if you could just share a little bit about, you know, the other side of your journey, you know, we had kind of talked about it in a, in a pre uh, meeting, mm-hmm. but um, let's bring that to the forefront because I think that's the inspiring part of how you got to be where you are now um, through those challenges, if you will. Okay. Okay. My mother stereotyped me as a threat the day I was born. She wanted her second, no, excuse me. She wanted her first son instead of her second daughter. And she tried to kill me twice. I understand why she tried to kill me. She was raised by a paranoid schizophrenic mother Her parents emigrated from Hungary. They were Germans who emigrated from Hungary when that part of Hungary was going to become Romania after World War I. So they were immigrants. She's first-generation immigrant. 
came here. They didn't know. They first went to Missouri where they had some relatives. Then they moved to Chicago where they didn't know anyone. And so there was no one to help this family. And my paranoid schizophrenic mother, grandmother, threatened her husband, my grandfather, my mother's father, with a butcher knife one day. So he left the family to save his life. And my mother and her older sister were left with this paranoid schizophrenic mother in isolation because they were immigrants alone in Chicago. I understand why she was never nurtured. A paranoid schizophrenic grandmother, mother cannot nurture her children. So my mother was never nurtured. She didn't know how to nurture. And she was the second daughter who was supposed to be a son. My grandparents' first child was a boy who died in infancy. Then my aunt Terry was born, then my mother. I don't know if my grandmother tried to kill my mother, but my mother got the second daughter treatment, I'm certain. So I understand why, but made my life horrific. She tried to kill me twice. And I remember both of them, I was a baby. There's research that shows that babies can remember trauma as visual images as young as three months old. And I had a first memory that cut coming right up in front of my face at different times of my life. I didn't pay attention to the situations in which that memory came up, but it just kept popping up. I never had to wonder, what is the first thing I remember? And it was always there in front of my face. And it was a memory of my father coming into a room where I was in the crib and he was holding a bottle. And to me, my baby mind meant I was going to live because my mother had just left the room after trying to kill me. That was the second time. I was five and a half months old to six months old. And I know that because when I finally was able to let myself understand what that memory meant, I had to bury all my murder memories because I had to live with my murderer. When I finally understood what that murder memory meant, it came back one more time in color and sound. I could see the color of the room. I could see the color of my father's shirt. I could hear sounds from the open window. So it was late July into August when I would have been five and a half to six months old. And we were living in Evanston, Illinois because my father was teaching at Northwestern University. There are a number of hospitals in that area. I remember hearing a loud noise that didn't stop. It was a siren. It probably was an ambulance, but I can see my mother thinking that it was a police car because someone had seen her trying to smother me. So uh, my father coming into the room at the bottle meant I was going to live. Wow. But, I, but I also, that's a visual memory, but I also had a mental memory, but I also had physical and emotional clues. My mind separated my murder memories into physical, mental, and emotional clues that repeated throughout my life until I was 42, when I finally said to myself, mom did try to kill me. And these are my clues. I believe that 10 to 20 children survive attempted murder by their parents every single day, and nobody is paying attention. Nobody is helping us. I've had to cope with this on my own for 72 years. I spent five years in therapy and didn't start therapy because of my child, but dealt with my child to some extent in those five years. And neither one of those therapists, two different therapists, two and a half years each, neither one of those therapists got close to the, close to the real cause of 
my depression, suicidal depression, until the second so I said to the second therapist that my mother did try to kill me. She said, she believed me at that point because she said, you're entirely different, so it must be true. These are the clues that I had throughout my life. I put it on the wrong page. I had, the first memory was a clue. I was in terror of my mother and her reactions to anything I did throughout my childhood. I had pains in my legs and my feet because she held my kicking legs down as she tried to smother me. I had dreams, I had dreams about being smothered. I had violent nightmares, I was suicidally depressed. I was fascinated with books and movies about people who had murderous family members because I was trying to figure out how to cope with. I didn't know how to cope with my murder memories. I, my spine was injured when I was 12 years old when a boy in school pulled my chair off from under me. The injury was misdiagnosed for 33 years. If you have any children in your life, please tell them to never pull a chair out from under anyone. Some people are instantly paralyzed. I'm lucky because I can walk. Well, I've lived without a place bones for 60 years. The first misdiagnosis came from our family doctor who said I had scoliosis and told my mother I wouldn't be able to have children. So when you believe your doctor, right? So when I became sexually active in my early 20s, I didn't use birth control. Why waste money on birth control if I can't have babies? And I did have several spontaneous abortions before I got pregnant and stayed pregnant. I surrendered that baby for adoption because I, was, I saw myself attacking the baby in a crib, just as my mother had attacked me. So I surrendered him for adoption to protect his life. And <clears throat> I screamed at my daughter. Burying murder memories takes a lot of energy. And when I felt overwhelming stress, I screamed at my daughter, my poor daughter. So there are lots of clues. <clears throat> so anybody who has murder memories has clues in their lives about those memories. It's, I knew underneath everything, I knew that if I ever talked about my murder memories, that everyone would believe my mother and not me. And that's what's happened. I have no connection to any family members because they believe my mother and not me. So it is a very difficult journey for people like me. Yeah. And I think there are millions of us around the world and no one's paying attention. I want, I'm talking about this because I want people to pay attention. After I finally figured out how I could cope with my own memories, I started talking about this so that people would help us. I contacted police, I contacted child psychologists, I child, contacted child abuse researchers, nobody responded. There are four to five children who die every day just from abuse and neglect. There are almost two children who die every day through intentional homicide that we know about. We have no idea how many parents are killing children every day because the babies are baby bodies and toddler bodies are easy to hide. We have no idea. Child abuse researchers are not asking survivors of child abuse 
do you remember your parents trying to kill you? No one is asking that. If they started asking that, we'd start getting some idea of how many children are growing up with murder memories. Right. We become addicts of some sort. I became a compulsive overeater for 25 years to bury the murder memories I didn't know what to do with. Right. Some people become alcoholics. Some people become drug addicts. And we hurt other people. I almost killed three children in the backseat of my car. My first therapist assumed that I was suicidally depressed because I didn't like myself. And she spent the two and a half years I was in therapy with her doing her best to get me to say I didn't like myself. I never said it because I always liked myself, but she wouldn't believe that. And I had to stay with her because I was poor and I had to go where the county sent me. So let's let's take that information and let's kind of fast forward to some of the good things that you're doing as a as a result so of some of the that, things that you've learned. So I, my father loved me. Right. So I had my father. He always loved me. He didn't know about the murder attempts because he wasn't home. He always loved me and he always said wonderful things to me. So I, as a child, I started listening to positive words. If anybody said anything positive to me, I listened to it and I acted on that. I didn't act on anything my mother said to me except to do what I could to protect myself. But I listened to positive words. And so I was drawn to positive words. And I had to develop social skills as a child to cope with my mother. And I started attracting unimagined success as a child. I used my social skills with everybody, well, most people. I'm better at it in my 70s right. than I was, <laughs> I was younger. Because when I was younger, I still fell into using stereotypes and prejudices. But I did use positive social skills to make connections with people and they the connect those connections have kept me going i'm alive with, first of all because of my daughter because she kept me alive because when i couldn't earn money she started babysitting at age 10 and used her babysitting money to help buy food and pay bills because my family wouldn't help because they didn't believe anything i said about my back so I just started very young to listen to positive words, to use positive words. And I, call, I did what I call creating success in small spaces. Wherever I could create some small success, I created it. And those small successes added together to become the big triumphs of my life. So the success it's of small spaces, is that considered like when people say, um, you know, appreciate small victories is that is that kind of yes. the same yeah. Any like, small like you just appreciate the little small things and they add up to being things. like right. the bigger things right yeah right you need a lot of small successes to get to the big successes each small success is a step and as long as you keep making those small successes you keep making taking those steps to the big triumphs so you have transitioned from some challenging situations um, in your childhood to then say, okay, positive words, positive energy, positive influences are helpful to me. And this is the path that I want to now take because it radiates with me in such a way. And now you are 
an author. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about being an author. How does that feel? <clears throat> everything. Well, uh, the first the first way I describe myself is as an international bestselling author. Congratulations. I started, I started writing in second grade. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. And they, my father loved me, but he became an alcoholic to cope with my mother's abuse of him. So I didn't feel safe with an adult until second grade. That second grade teacher made me feel safe. And so I was able to write. I was able to express myself. And I wrote a story that should have been a big signal <clears throat> to anyone paying attention. But I, that was the first time I wrote. And I wrote poetry. I wrote a lot of poetry when I was a teenager. Yeah, And because of one, I wrote a poet, poem about zoos. And then I took one line of that poem and made it a separate poem. And the line from that poem was, a memory is zoos where giraffes hurt your neck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and after I wrote that poem, people started t- giving me giraffes <laughs> for presents. <laughs> so I have a giraffe collection. And so I so the writing, um, obviously I had some successes with writing as a child because I wrote that in my teens, the giraffe zoo and poem. And then I ke- just kept writing. I, I, I had a poem published in high school. And then when I was in college, I wrote a book as an independent study project called From Pyramids to Circles, Taking Hierarchy Out of Small Groups. Later, later editions are called From Pyramids to Circles, Shaping Groups to Succeed. And I've okay. written various editions of that. And now I'm writing, revising it with a first chapter about the county I live in because Portage County, Wisconsin. I live in Wisconsin, not Chicago, by the way, Jimmy. Okay. <laughs> Portage County, Wisconsin <clears throat> produces an incredible number of spectacular successes for its size. And I have a lot of people supporting my writing about Portage County because it's a positive chapter for the most part. I'm going to write about some of the negatives too because everybody does something wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's an incredible county for what it's produced in the world. It has the world's largest trivia contest. Okay, instance. all right. It has the longest running and most successful renewable energy fair in the world. And we're in rural central Wisconsin, which is not easy to get to. Right. So tell me, tell, me, tell me a little bit about the, the positive energy that you're putting out with um, teaching people about soft skills. Soft skills, yes. So for, first, for those that don't know, just kind of give me a brief definition of what soft skills are and then how we apply them in everyday life that maybe we don't know right. that we're applying them. Soft skills are what you say and can be some small actions that make connections with other people, that give other people positive identities. And they give them and you give them a reason to give you a positive identity. I call soft skills power skills because of everything I've accomplished using my soft skills. So in the course of someone's day, uh, give an example as to like something that would be considered a soft skill that maybe they don't know that they're even doing it. What would, uh, be, what would now, be a good example? Saying, I say hello and smile at as many people as I can when I go out into the world. And I start conversations in every possible situation that I can. Not everybody wants to talk, but I've made amazing connections 
but just by having conversations with people. And you, you just never know. You, you, I, well, let me tell you this story. This okay. is one of my favorite unimagined success stories. I live in a village of less than 200 people. Across the road from me, I live, I live next to a park and then there's another park to the left of me that used to be a house, but now it's a park. And then there's a house further down. So I'm pretty much alone on my side of the road. Across from me are four houses. <clears throat> and the neighbor on the far left, at the time this happened, I hadn't, hadn't talked to yet because they were a fairly new family. The family in the middle left, I had talked to. I talked, talked to them on outside. I did some small favors for them over the years. The neighbor directly across from me, Oh, wait a bit. Far left, there was a, a man who I who I talk to only when I see him outside in warm weather. And sometimes we go over a year without talking to each other. And then right across the middle right was the family where I did some small favors. And then on the far right was a neighbor that I talk to frequently. In April of 2018, there was a big lizard here in Central Wisconsin. Okay. Two feet of snow. I was left with a big pile of snow at the end of my driveway because there's only a couple of driveways on my side of the road. The plow pushes everything onto my side of the road. So I was left with a snow pile, a plow pile that was five feet across and three feet wide. Wow. Behind me. Yeah. I went out with my out of place bones and shoveled a little bit, couldn't get it done. This was April. The forecast for the next week was the 40s. I thought, I'll just stay home till it melts. So I went back inside. Over the next few hours, the, the man uh, at the far end who I had not talked to, I had connected with when there was a near tragedy in his family and I sent him a note. That was our only connection. He came over and used his skid to clear the end of the driveway where the big snow pile was. Then the man on the far right who I talked to frequently came and he shoveled the rest of the snow up to my car. The man on the middle right, who I waved to mostly, I talked to the wife, my wave to him across the road. He came over and he shoveled around my car. And the man I talked to maybe every other year came over and shoveled a path from my car to my house. There you go. I didn't ask <laughs> any of them to do anything and they didn't talk to each other. But because I used my soft skill strategies with them to make connections, they rescued me. They're my awesome. snow angels. <laughs> that is an awesome story. <laughs> yes, you know, I think I think if we all um, across the world uh, started to be more aware of our soft skills and utilize them um, just as much as we utilize other things that we are conscious of, um, I think the world would be a better place. And I think we would have oh, better yes. communications and better connections with people. So mm -hmm. family out there, start working on your soft skills yes. if you don't know and if you don't know how to utilize them get in touch with uh paula she will definitely help you <laughs> out with that all right um real quick though i i definitely want to talk about the success of boss ladies tell me right. a little bit about boss ladies boss ladies tv that's a network launched by one of my co-authors mm -hmm. natasha williams now there's another connection i made natasha and i 
wrote stories together for the first, for Voices of the 21st Century Resilient Women Who Rise and Make a Difference. And then we guested together on, and when I attended a webinar she did, she is a fraud expert in the global fraud expert. So I attended a webinar because I expect to make a lot of money someday and have to be careful about fraud. <laughs> she did a wonderful job. I understood it. And then we call guested on a panel about single mothers. She got seri a serious illness and I did everything I could to support her and got the book team and all the colors, authors involved. And after she recovered, she decided to launch Boss Ladies TV, a network to help women around the world succeed the way her mother was unable to succeed. And she invited me to host my own TV show because she said, you tell good stories. <laughs> So now I have relationship reckoning, which is all about soft skills based on DISC behavior styles and Springer guiding values. And I teach people how to open doors in any kind of relationship. Just because you open the door doesn't mean the other person's going to open their door to you, but it, it gives you a way to determine if you should stay limit or go from a relationship, because <clears throat> that's what I learned. I learned about DISC behavior styles and Springer guiding values in 1998. I now understand every relationship in my life. I know how to approach everyone with particular soft skills for their behavior style and guiding values. And I teach people how to do that. So if anybody is uh, listening and they wanna kind of get in tune with uh, Boss Lady TV, well, where, where can we find that? I, Boss Ladies TV is a streaming channel on Roku. You can also stream the channels from the website. There are several episodes for a number of shows on the Boss Ladies TV network right now. Its official launch is at the end of this year. So my show isn't weekly until the end of this year, but it will be weekly. And it's only a 15 minute show. And in 15 minutes a week, you can learn to understand every relationship in your life. Every single show teaches you something about people with the same behavior style and this guiding value in your lives. You learn about people in your lives, even though they're not in the kind of relationship I talk about on that show. I talk about how to open doors to each behavior style and each guiding value, and you can learn something from every show. So if you guys are interested um, in checking out her uh, production on Boss Lady TV, um, here's two things. One, uh, I'll make sure that some of the information is put into the show notes, but also the information will be up on the sexycoolounge.com website. So you guys will be able to uh, follow her there and appreciate her work and her valuable information on that level as well. So, Ms. Paula, uh, anything else that you want to uh, share with us, enlighten us with, or to teach us today? Well, well, I want to say that that there that people with difficult childhoods, like horrific childhoods, mm -hmm. are most likely to become mass shooters and serial killers but there are ways to prevent them from happening. They're on my website, I have on my website, speakingfromtriumph.com, which is my main website. I have a page called Murder Secret Families, where I provide all kinds of information about horrific childhoods and excerpts from my journal so you could see how I came to understand my murder memory. And there's a video on there by Aaron Stark, who 
had a horrific childhood and was planning to be a mass shooter. And what stopped him was a friend who took him home for a meal and a shower. That's what stopped him. Even if you don't see the kind of signals that friend obviously saw in Aaron, you can do something if you see a child who is neglected or abused. When I was in my 20s, I went to my local laundromat, didn't study my laundry, sat down in a chair. Off to my side sat a little girl, a little blonde girl in a chair, kind of hunched over in a chair, looking very sad. I didn't see any adult approach her at all. She didn't go to adult. She was obviously there by herself. A Philippine mother came in with three little girls, started laundry. The three little Philippine girls started playing in the laundromat. They sort of tumbled all around the laundromat as they played. And as they tumbled by me, I would say things to them. The little blonde girl was sitting off to my side, just watching all of this with very sad eyes. Finally, after they tumbled by me one more time, the little Filipina girls, I turned to the little blonde girl and said, I like you too. She sat up straight, her eyes opened wide, the sun came up in her smile, and she ran off to play with the little Filipina girls. All I did was give her a positive identity, yeah. and she did everything else. Wow. The power of words can influence so many people in so many different levels of their life, and in ways that we don't even know they can influence because we don't really always know what someone else is going through. But if we just reach out with that positive connection on our own, it may help in ways that we don't even realize. We don't even realize, right? Wow. That is beautiful, beautiful and powerful and inspiring. So Ms. Paula, please let everybody know where we can find you, how we can follow you, uh, website, email, or social media. I'm sorry, my my main website is speakingfromtriumph.com. The website that is the resource for my TV show is smilesparksuccess.com because there's all kinds of information for free about disbehavior styles and Springer guiding values. I have a Facebook page for my TV show, Relationship Reckoning. I am creating online courses, self-study online courses for teaching my strategies, soft skill strategies. The Facebook page for that is Soft Skills Are Power Skills. I'm Paula M. Kramer on Facebook. I have, I'm Paula M. Kramer on LinkedIn. And I have a variety of other Facebook pages where I post all kinds of information. I have a best and brightest are ordinary, women speaking equality, wonder women breaking glass ceilings, advocates for equality, sage citizens, sage meaning senior. Well, I'm a sage citizen. <laughs> And a, and a birthday girl today. And a birthday we, girl today, too. That? This is the best birthday present of my life. <laughs> so if you guys are not writing this down, and I don't expect you to, but um, most of her social media and communications and contact information will be in the show notes. And again, it will be up on sexycoollounge.com. So you will be able to follow her and uh, contribute and continue with her journey. Um, throughout the universe, through positive energy and good vibes only, y'all. So you will definitely have an opportunity to uh, reach out to her and connect if that is what you choose to do. So, Ms. Paula, it has been a pleasure having you in the Sexy Cool Lounge on your birthday of all days. And uh, I do want to thank you 
for all of your information, all of your energy, and sharing um, your inspiring story so that others can resonate with it and still be inspired on their journey as well. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. And, and family, let's make sure that through all of this information that we've learned today, that we've gathered and absorbed, that we make sure that we continue to love ourselves, right? Love ourselves enough to radiate right. our vibe. Listen to positive words. Ignore yes. those negative words. Listen to positive words. Listen to positive words, right? And let's never forget, family, that even though we do not have as much as others, we still have more than others. So let's continue to put good vibes into this universe so we can always get good vibes back. I'm Jimmy IV. I love you guys. And I will see you on the next episode.